You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that's brave enough to figure out what is going on with the Big 12 standings right now. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. Now, this week had a whole bunch of exciting equestrian action across the country, but I want to be considerate of my core listeners who might be chiefly interested in Auburn. So, we are going to recap the Auburn meets first, and then we're going to talk about the national stuff. Auburn hosted a pair of jump-and-seat-only teams in Sweetbriar and Lynchburg. Now, Auburn is so good that if we played these teams straight up, it wouldn't even be close. But that kind of a meet would really not do us any good either. Now, these meets are not going to count towards the overall records because we ride two disciplines and these teams just ride in the single discipline. So the main goal of something like this is really just to get experience for your other riders, the ones that don't normally start all the time. And at Auburn, where there's just so much competition for the starting spots, having these kinds of meets are really nice for that sort of thing. So we didn't ride Taylor St. Jock or uh, Michaela Langmire. We did ride our typical starters in Ava Stearns, Emma Kurtz, and Megan Napick. Now, along with them, we also had Erica Kaczynski, Helen Ulrich, and Ellie Ferrigno in the lineups. This gave Auburn a strong but not invincible lineup that would have to ride well just to get these points against, well, at least against Sweetbriar they would. <laughs> now, speaking of Sweetbriar, they are a small college near Lynchburg, Virginia, that has been riding equestrian for over 100 years now, and that is not an exaggeration. The school started in 1906, and they actually had horseback riding as an informal part of their curriculum until uh, 1910, when the students began formally competing in the sport amongst one another. So they have a long history of riding horses. They're also an all-women's liberal arts college with about 300 students. So that gives you an idea of, of what we're talking about. Now, Lynchburg is also a small school. They're a Christian private school in Virginia. They have about 2,800 students. They are a Division III program, which means all of their sports are non-scholarship athletes. They're just doing it for the love of the game. So in that first meet was Sweetbriar versus Lynchburg. Now, I figured Sweetbriar was going to take most of these points. They did. They have several good riders, and they handled the Hornets pretty easily. Now, there was this one girl on Lynchburg, uh, Lori Ohanessian. Bless her heart. She had this really nice score, uh, an 83 in fences that all the Lynchburg fans were just hooping and hollering about. And then Sweetbriar's Katie Balding came along. She's their best rider. She rode against this girl, and she got a 95. And there was actually this one Lynchburg lady who audibly went, 95? So, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Lori would have probably gotten that point against any other Sweetbriar rider, too, but, you know, it's just a, kind of a day for them. Uh, the Vixens took that meet 8-1, to one, so they pretty much won going away on that. So next up was Auburn versus Sweetbriar. And, as I said, the whole point of this was just to get some experience for our riders. Now, on the flat, uh, Sweetbriar pushed us a little bit here. 
They took two points from us, uh, but Helen Ulrich got a career best 87. And I want to stop here and just talk about name pronunciation. Now, I'm not saying that these girls don't know how to say their own names, but Helen, she pronounced her name Ulrich in her starting video, and I'm not sure that's accurate. I've actually seen some of her family members kind of tease her about this, so I think I may be in the right on this. Her last name ends in an H, so the C that comes right before it should change from that K sound into a CH sound. So it's Ulrich, not Ulrich. I mean, if you think about it, like, I mean, if you're trying to make that H in her last name silent, why would you do that? Because the H in her first name is not silent. I mean, we don't call her Ellen. Her name is Helen Ulrich, not Ellen Ulrich. So, where was I? Uh, Yeah, so Ellen got a really nice score and she won her point. She also had the MOP. Emma Kurtz got her point and freshman Ellie Ferrigno got hers. Uh, Megan and Ava did not get their points. Um, On Megan's ride, I don't really know uh, how all these things are supposed to go because I'm not really into the whole how the rides look. It did seem like the part where she had to make the horse go diagonally, it made it look, it it seemed like the horse didn't finish where it was supposed to. It was a little far forward from one of the little markers or something, but the judge saw something she didn't like, so that maybe that was it. Uh, I do know that after her ride was over, Megan and uh, Coach Braswell were, you know, talking and pointing around a lot and referring to certain parts of the ring, so... There was something going on that they were discussing how things went or didn't go or something like that. So anyway, she can get her point and, you know, you learn from it and you move on. And that's really the whole point here is you're trying to do this against a team like Sweetbriar where, frankly, it doesn't matter too much. And that way you learn from it so you don't make those mistakes later on down the road. So Auburn had a 3-2 to two lead at the half and then we went on over to fences and we swept that event. Basically, if your blazer had the little orange trim on the collar, then you got a point. <laughs> and, uh... Ava Stearns made up for not getting her point on the flat, and not only did she get her point in fences, but she won the MOP as well. So good job, Ava. And that basically meant that we had won 8-2 to two over Sweetbriar. So good job, Auburn. So next, we ride against Lynchburg. And this one started out in the flat event as well. This meet, like I said, is a lot easier than what we did against Sweetbriar. So all of our ladies got a point on the flat. Uh, Megan Knappett got her point. So I guess all that talking and figuring did work out and she was able to get her point the second time around. And uh, freshman Ellie Ferrigno got the MOP ride of the day, which is really good news for her. Also, we got an answer to that age-old questions of how many Pearsons it takes to run an exhibition head-to-head. The answer is one if it's Grace Pearson. Grace rode both times in the exhibition, so that's what that joke is about. So, yeah, she won that ride. She also lost that ride. So, there you go. End of Pearson joke. I may edit that out. And on it went over to Fences, where we had a similar lineup to before, only now we had Jessica West riding instead of Erica Kaczynski. Uh, Jessica had a little bit of trouble on her ride, did not get her point, but everybody else did. And Queen of the Day, Ellie Ferrigno got another MOP against Lynchburg. So good job, Ellie. And that meant that Auburn was going to win this meet 9-1. to And then the day was done. So it was kind of a casual day going into it. We knew this wasn't going to be a real high-pressure set of meets. 
these, these were again these kind of meets that you just want to have some fun and get the fans a chance to see everybody and just you know what's going on with this historic Auburn program and just you know go out there and score a whole bunch of points. So while all of that was going on, there actually was a lot of high-stress action going on in the Big 12 and elsewhere in the SEC. But before we go into that, let's talk about last week's rankings so that everybody understands how things started out before this weekend. At number one is, of course, Auburn. They're 5-0. and They've beaten every team in the SEC, no matter whether it's on the road or at home. Number two was Georgia. Now, I do admit that I really struggled putting the dogs at number two because Texas A&M technically had one more quality win than the dogs did, but I gave this one to Georgia on a slight edge because they do have a victory over Texas A&M. At the number three position, we had the Aggies. They beat uh, South Carolina twice, something that Georgia didn't do. Plus, they had that victory over uh, Baylor, which is currently in first place in the Big 12. But like I said, they did lose to Georgia, so I put Georgia just a tiny bit ahead of them. At number four, I have uh, that Baylor team. Uh, Other than that loss to Texas A&M, Baylor is undefeated. They beat TCU, and they lead the Big 12, so that's why they're at number four. At number five, I had TCU. The Horned Frogs beat the heck out of Oklahoma State a couple of weeks back, and then they barely lost to Baylor, so they're good, but I did slide them just behind the Bears because, you know, they lost to them. South Carolina keeps sliding down the rankings a little bit because basically they only have that one quality win against Georgia, and that was way back in the fall. But it is a quality win that's better than anybody below them, so I have South Carolina at number six. At number seven, I had Fresno State. This is the only other perfect team than Auburn right now. Uh, They've beaten UC Davis twice, which actually probably isn't that big of a deal right now, but it's good enough to get them up to number seven. At number eight was SMU. The Mustangs um, have beaten a couple of teams that aren't what I would call quality opponents, and then they lost really badly to TCU. So that's why I have them down here at number eight. At the number nine, I had uh, one of those teams that SMU actually beat, South Dakota State. Uh, The Jackrabbits, they won against Delaware State and UT Martin, so they have proved that they belong here. And down at number 10, I had Oklahoma State. The Cowgirls didn't ride any in the fall, and then they waited halfway through February to start their spring schedule, and then they had the winter storms that canceled and postponed a whole bunch of stuff, so we've only gotten to see them ride one time, and when they did that, they laid an egg and lost to TCU badly. So, I felt really confident that their resume pretty much demonstrates their number 10 team. So, those were the rankings going into this week. Now, we also have a set of rankings that are just for the single-discipline schools, so we'll go through those quickly as well. Number one is Sweetbriar. They recently defeated Wilson College, so they're the number one team here. Uh, Number two, we have Lynchburg. They don't have any wins, but they look pretty good in competition, considering, you know, who they were riding up against. So they get that number two spot. And down at number three, we have Wilson College. Like I said, they also have a loss to Sweetbriar, but they've done something. So, you know, that gives us something to judge. So I put them at number three. And at number four, I had SUNY New Paltz. They haven't ridden any yet, but they're scheduled to later. So they get the number four spot. And those are the rankings. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick timeout from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. 
There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. Now, we talked about last week's rankings, and I'm here to tell you everything's about to change. Because we had a whole bunch of meets that are getting jammed into these next few weeks, uh, especially in the Big 12. Uh, We have SMU. They got their rematch against TCU. This time, they're at home instead of going on the road. Uh, Also, all of these meets in the Big 12, they're going to be four riders against four riders instead of five against five. The main reason they're doing this is because with this many meets happening so close together, you've got to have a lot of horses to do that if you're going to do five on five. So one way that you can do it and make sure that it doesn't uh, tire out the horses too much is you can go down to four on four. Those are still legal meets. In fact, that's how the national championship tournament works. And it's basically for that same reason. It's because you need 20% fewer horses when you do four on four. And so when you're talking about a whole bunch of teams, that really makes a difference. So that's why things are a little bit different in the Big 12. It's basically just a necessity so that they can get these meets to actually happen because they waited a long time and then the ice storms really messed them up. So this meet started out between SMU and TCU where SMU took mostly the horsemanship points and TCU took most of the flat points. So at the half, everything was tied three to three and it looked like it was going to be a real close meet. But after the half, everything changed. SMU swept fences four to nothing, and then they swept raining four to nothing as well. So what started out as a really close meet got ugly quickly, and the Horn Frogs got embarrassed in the second half. There, it was a pretty shocking result because TCU won their first meet kind of handedly. So what we're seeing here is probably two things going on. One, you've got the power of riding at home, which seems to really matter this year. I mean, it's important in most years, but this year with COVID and all. It really matters if you're at home. The other big difference was the change from going five to five to four to four. And when you do that, um, it can really help and hurt certain teams just depending on where your starting talent tends to dip and take a drop off in terms of point production. Basically, if that drop off happens between your fourth and your fifth rider, then going from five on five to four on four really helps you out. If it falls somewhere else, then going down to four riders probably isn't going to help you. So we'll actually talk about this phenomenon more in detail when we get closer to the postseason because I'll go through and I'll analyze every team's results and I'll, I'll kind of give you a heads up on which, which teams are probably going to benefit from that format and which ones are not. Spoiler, Auburn's probably going to benefit. <laughs> so now after this meet, I figured TCU was going to be all fired up to take out their frustrations on Fresno State. You'll remember that I haven't been real big on the Bulldogs so far this year because they lost so much talent. Also, they've only ridden against UC Davis so far. 
and really beating them twice isn't that big of a deal. So I was expecting them, with all of their uh, conference meets being on the road, I was expecting them to take a step back. Well, um, things didn't kind of work out that way. TCU, you know, kind of started out the first half and made me look real smart. They swept fences four to nothing, and then they won horsemanship three to one. So they were up seven to one at the dang half over Fresno State. And I was looking like a genius at this point. Well, in the, uh, you can kind of tell how (laughs) the way I'm saying this, that something must have happened because in the second half, everything completely flipped where Fresno State swept in uh, raining and then they uh, got three to one over in uh, equitation on the flat. So it tied everything up. They went to the total tiebreaker and Fresno State won in the tiebreaker. So TCU started out so great, looked like they were going to have an easy victory and then let them come back up and end up losing. So a lot of this is probably due to the whole switch from five riders to four riders. Um, That really made a big difference. And apparently Fresno Fresno State benefits from that, and TCU does not. So TCU had a really bad day on Friday. They went from being in a position where they could legitimately argue that maybe they're the best team in the Big 12 to um, now nobody's really talking about them in a good way. (laughs) So, uh, but let's talk about two teams that uh, people are talking about in a good way, Baylor and Oklahoma State. Now, Baylor came into this meet, uh, like I said, leading the Big 12, and Oklahoma State came into this one having been embarrassed, but everybody still expected some good things out of them. So this one was pretty much the cowgirls meet from start to finish. Uh, I was over in Auburn while this was all happening, so I'm not sure which event was first and all that, but it doesn't really matter. The only event that Baylor won was raining. They took three of the five points there, and then Oklahoma State took four points in every other event. So it ended up being 14 to six. Now this was one where they rode five against five, and that's because it was at Oklahoma State. So they rode five on five. So what this did was it meant that Oklahoma State and Fresno State are now tied for first and TCU, who, you know, was looking good and they lost, they are now down in fourth place tied with Baylor in the Big 12 standings. So on to the Fresno State and SMU meet. Now, remember, this is not a Big 12 meet. SMU is not part of the Big 12. They are over in the Eastern College Athletic Conference. So now let's think about this from Fresno State's perspective. They have come into this meet. They pulled a big upset over TCU. They're all excited about that. They're leading the Big 12, and they're just thinking, oh, this is growing great. And boom, they run straight into a brick wall called SMU. This meet was another one that was going on while I was over at Auburn, so I'm not really sure what happened, but I can tell you that um, it really didn't matter because SMU took the majority of points in every event. They won fences 3-1, to one, they won the flat 3-1, to one, they won horsemanship 4 nothing, and then they won reigning 2-1. to one. So the final score ended up being 12-3, to three, and Fresno State doesn't look as good as they did a day earlier. But again, that's not a conference meet, so it isn't going to hurt them in the Big 12 standings. Uh, But it does mean, for any of you Auburn fans that are still paying attention to all this, it means that Auburn is now, once again, the only undefeated team in college equestrian. It took a heck of a lot longer to happen this year than in last year, but it finally happened in Week 11. So now let's talk about Texas A&M and Georgia. So, back in the fall, Georgia barely beat the Aggies in Bishop, and, well, this meet is now in College Station. So, if you recall, that really matters who the home team is because they've been cleaning up all year. you got to be something special to go on the road and beat somebody in their house. And outside of Auburn, few teams are doing that. 
Now, this one started out very back and forth, just as we've seen between these two teams before. They traded points in horsemanship and in fences, so it ended up that uh, Georgia was a little bit ahead at the half. They also had a tie. So Georgia was up 5-4 to four at the half. Very tight meet. Then Georgia got on a little bit of a run um, on the flat, and they started pulling away. Texas A&M came back just a little bit, but there weren't enough points and raining, and uh, they couldn't quite pull off the comeback. So the meet finished with Georgia winning 9-8. to eight. It was a really big win for Georgia. It shows that they have made a lot of improvement since the season began. Uh, Like I said, they lost a lot of talent to graduation. I actually did not expect them to be this good this year. I thought they were going to finish dead last in the SEC, and they have proved me wrong. They have now uh, finished second in the SEC, no matter how uh, the last meet turns out next week. So, now in the scope of the postseason, this meet between Georgia and Texas A&M really didn't matter because they're going to turn right around and face each other in the SEC tournament. One of them was going to finish second, and one of them was going to finish third, and two plays three when you get into the SEC tournament. So, they're going to turn right around and play each other for the right to lose to Auburn in the SEC finals. But we do have one more meet that happened on Saturday that I want to tell you about. And along with this, I'm going to give you a little public service announcement to any sports information directors who might be listening to the show on some do's and don'ts of how you cover these meets on Twitter. UT Martin at Delaware State. Now, the Skyhawks over at UT Martin have not had a great season so far. They have lost every meet except for a Western-only meet that they did against Minnesota Crookston. Meanwhile, Delaware State is in that same boat. They lost to South Dakota State just like UT Martin did, but they did beat Minnesota Crookston in a Western-only meet. Now, in my preseason look-ahead, I had Delaware State just a little bit ahead of UT Martin in my rankings. I felt like the Hornets returned just a little bit more talent than the Skyhawks did, and that made me give them a little bit of an edge in the rankings. So, um, Also, remember this is a home meet for Delaware State, and that makes a big difference this year. So, here's how everything went. The Hornets jumped out to a lead, and then the Skyhawks caught back up. And then the Hornets jumped out to a lead, and then the Skyhawks caught back up. And then that happened one more time, and the meet was over because everything was tied at 9-9 at the end. But you can't have a tie in this sport. You have to go to the tiebreaker, which is where you total up everybody's raw score point totals. And they run it through this calculation because the Western events are on a 70-point scale, and the fancy English writing is on a 100-point scale. So you got to do a lot of math and figure out who actually won the darn meet. Now, dear listener, I want to let you know that both of the Twitter accounts for these two teams were just a-tweeting up a storm back and forth all through the meets. They both tweeted out all the points and all the ties and how everything was going right up until the very end, and they said, hey, we're tied, we got to go to tiebreaker, and then two or three hours went by with neither one of them telling us a darn thing. In fact, I was in the car driving back home when the meet ended, and I got back to my house, which is not close to Auburn, and they still had not told us who had won that dang meet. Now, I get it. If you are the losing team, you're not super excited to go out and just tell the world how you just lost, but certainly the winner would consider what they've done important enough to, you know, let people know about it. Well, not if you're the SID of Delaware State. They must have so much winning going on up there that to them, one more win is just so common that they don't even need to bother to tell anybody about it. I mean, they must think they're Auburn or something. (laughs) Well, as you can tell, Delaware State won that meet in the tiebreaker, and I actually had to tweet to them and say, hey, which one of y'all won? And then they replied, oh, oh, uh, Delaware State won. I was like, okay, well, thank you. So that's how the Saturday meets went. 
But we got extra meats to talk about. I told you this was going to have a lot of meats in it this week. So on Sunday, that Big 12 schedule is just jammed together. They only got three weeks uh, until their conference tournament, so they got to get more meats in. So everybody's just riding against everybody. Fresno State, Baylor, and Oklahoma State did a three-team meet with just uh, four-on-four riders. Now, uh, it started off Fresno State versus Baylor, and Oklahoma State and Fresno State would start a little bit afterwards and be going on at the same darn time. So it was really tough just trying to keep track of how everything was going. They were using the heck of that out of that facility, and whoever's job it was to keep everything organized would just bless their heart because it, it seemed confusing to me. So, um, basically, the way this one worked is um, uh, it started out where Fresno State was on fences. They they went out to a 3 nothing lead, and then uh, Baylor came back on them a little bit, and then Fresno State was up 5-2 uh, to two at the half. So, they're beating Baylor at the half. Then, in the second half, flat and horsemanship were the two events there. Uh, each team got two points in each of those, so... Basically, uh, uh, Fresno State was able to protect their lead, and uh, they won 9-6. to six. So, this was a really big weekend for Fresno State, even with that loss that they had to SMU. Um, I did not expect them to go out and perform this well in, in conference play, but you know what? You got to give it up to them. They, they did what they had to do in terms of their conference record. They beat both uh, TCU and Baylor this weekend, so good job, Bulldogs. Now we got one more meet to go over, and that is Fresno State against Oklahoma State. And here's how that one went. This meet was very close in the first half. Each team took two points in those first two events, so at halftime they were tied 4-4. to And then in the uh, next event, it was equitation on the flat, and that is where Oklahoma State started pulling away. They got three of those four points, and they had the uh, 7-5 lead going into the final event, which was horsemanship. So, Oklahoma State just needed two more points and they would win this meet. The first point in horsemanship went to Fresno State, which made it 7-6. The next point went to Fresno State, which made it 7-7. The next point was a tie. So that meant the very next point was going to give one of these two teams the win. And that point went to Oklahoma State. So they barely hung on to that victory and beat Fresno State. Woo! In a very close one. So, huh. That pushes them on up the, um, uh, the, like I said, the Big 12 standings. Uh, Fresno State had a really good weekend. They're now number two in the standings. And then uh, TCU and Baylor are tied at number three in the Big 12 standings. So not a good weekend for either of those two teams. So with all these teams having good weeks and bad weeks, that's going to have a big effect on the rankings. So let's take a look at those. Now, again, I'm not talking about the NCEA rankings because those rankings don't make any sense. I had to create my own set of rankings just to tell y'all how these teams are doing, and here they are. At number one is Auburn. The Tigers are undefeated, they're the reigning champions of everything, and they are so good that they can have two of their best jump and seat riders take the day off and still beat teams convincingly. At number two is the Georgia Bulldogs. They completed the sweep of Texas A&M this weekend. They recently beat South Carolina, which makes up for that one non-Auburn loss to Carolina from back in the fall, and that's a pretty good resume. It puts them at number two in the nation. Rocketing up the charts and landing at number three are the SMU Mustangs. Now, after this weekend, the Mustangs have some quality wins over Fresno State and a semi-quality win over South Dakota State. The only blemish on their record is that loss to TCU from a month ago, so that's a pretty good resume. Slipping down a spot to number four are the Texas A&M Aggies. 
They really should have beaten Georgia at home, but they didn't get it done, so they drop a spot. Uh, but even after that, they still have a pretty good resume. They've get beaten South Carolina twice, and they've beaten Baylor. At number five is another team that shot up the charts this week, Oklahoma State. The Cowgirls have now beaten Baylor and Fresno State, and their only losses to TCU. So welcome back, Cowgirls. I told you you would have a chance to earn some respect, and you've done that. Next in the number six spot is Fresno State. The Bulldogs climb up one spot after their solid showing this weekend. They have victories over TCU, Baylor, and UC Davis. But they do have those losses to SMU and Oklahoma State. So, number six is where they are. At number seven is TCU. The Horned Frogs fall a couple of spots because of the losses this weekend. Right now, the Horned Frogs are relying on the strength of the things they did about a month ago because what we've seen out of them recently has not been impressive. And over at number eight, we have the South Carolina Gamecocks. They have fallen two more spots this week. We kind of knew this was going to happen. They do have Auburn uh, next on their schedule. Now, if they beat the Tigers, that would certainly improve their resume, but good luck with that. At number nine, we have the Baylor Bears. The Bears took an enormous tumble uh, all the way down from number four to number nine. Losing to two of your three conference rivals uh, in as many days will do that to you. So that's why they're down here at number nine. And dropping one spot down to number 10 are the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. You know, there are no more meets on their schedule, so they don't really have a chance to improve their resume. Their only realistic hope was that a bunch of teams would lose above them, and that's probably not going to happen because most of them play each other. So they uh, drop down to number 10, but they're probably going to stay at number 10 because they've beaten the teams that um, could potentially dethrone them. So they stay in the rankings. They're just at number 10. And actually, I think they're probably really happy with that. So over we go now to the single discipline rankings. So we've got uh, Sweetbriar. They're remaining at number one. Lynchburg didn't do so well against Sweetbriar, but they're probably better than Wilson College. So they're going to stay at number two. Wilson College remains at number three. And we're going to make a correction and uh, just go ahead and remove SUNY New Paltz from number four because they have officially been taken off the NCEA master schedule. I just checked it, and they're not on there anymore. So what this means is, no doubt, they have gone ahead and just officially canceled all of their meets this season. Um, They had some scheduled earlier against, I think, South Dakota State and UT Martin, but those have now been removed, and it's probably because of COVID issues still going on in their county. And so the powers that be have just decided we're going to get, you know, out of the whole season. They're probably not going to be in their conference tournament uh, either as well. So... Now, I want to talk about some awards for Auburn Riders. On the national scene, the NCEA Riders of the Month Awards for February have recently come out, and Auburn's Deanna Green was the Rider of the Month in horsemanship. The SEC also came out with their Rider of the Month Awards, and all four of their awards went to Auburn Riders. Taylor St. Jock won for fences, Deanna Green won for horsemanship, Michaela Langmire won for the flat, and Boo Kammerer won for reigning. So congratulations to all you Auburn ladies for those Rider of the Month honors. So now let's look ahead to next week's action and get you ready for that. Now outside the SEC, a whole bunch of teams are still going to be riding because like I said, they're trying to get a bunch of meets in before the season is over. So I will keep you up on that action. But specifically about Auburn, we're going to talk about the South Carolina meet. Now, South Carolina comes to town. They were supposed to do this a couple of weeks back. They had some issues with COVID. 
So they uh, postponed it, and that's going to happen this upcoming Saturday. Now, Auburn should win this meet pretty easily. The Gamecocks have been giving up a lot of points recently. Uh, They seem to be doing their best in fences um, and in reigning, but Auburn is certainly good in both of those as well. A lot is going to depend on how the matchups randomly get assigned, but I expect Auburn will probably take the majority of points in fences and reigning. And if we do that, then it's probably going to be a big day for Auburn because on the flat and in horsemanship, South Carolina will probably get demolished by Auburn. So look for all of those riders of the month that we just talked to you about. They're probably going to have big days plus some of the usual Auburn standouts like Taylor Searles, um, Ava Stearns, Olivia Tordoff, Terry June Granger, and Emma Kurtz. Now this will be the last chance that most of y'all will have to see this team live in action. And I really want you to think about going on over there because what this team is doing is beyond remarkable. Four years ago, Auburn took a step up to a new level in this sport. And what this program is achieving right now is noteworthy and worth your consideration. I am telling you, there is going to come a day when a documentary is going to be made about these Auburn teams. And when that happens, you are going to want to be able to turn to your child and say, hey, do you remember when we took you out to see those Auburn equestrian teams? Now, I know a lot of you casual sports fans might be saying, oh, well, I'm not that into horses. That's okay, because what you're really going to see is history. History is being made right outside your door. You just got to walk on through it and watch it. And while you wait for more of that history to be made, that'll bring us to the end of another episode of War Horses. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. I thank you very much for listening. War Eagle and War Horses. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? Do you?